This episode is brought to you by CLA. Here's your money briefing for Thursday, February 22nd. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. Companies have been trying all sorts of methods to get workers back in the office. Everything from free coffee to pizza parties. Now they've moved beyond the sense of taste and are focused on making the office smell better. You didn't want to end up with a fragrance that was so calming that people would fall asleep at work or be too relaxed at work. But you didn't want something that was so pungent that, you know, it would be so noticeable that they would, it would be a distraction even, <laughs> rather than something that would help them do their work better. Wall Street Journal reporter Ray Smith sniffed out the details. He'll talk to us about it after the break. When it comes to planning for the future, taxes and wealth advisory tend to be viewed as two separate conversations. But some things are just better together. That's why at Clifton Larson Allen, they call it 12th. Here's Clayton Bland, Chief Wealth Advisory Officer at CLA. More often than not, all of the decision-making around the tax relationship are predicated on things that have happened in the past. An investment advisory relationship would be something that's looking at, hey, what are your future goals? How can we allocate capital to help you achieve those goals? So when we talk about 12th, tax and wealth together, that's really what we provide at CLA with that combination of both professionals. It provides for the necessary information to make the decision that will have the best impact on you, both from a goal standpoint of my portfolio and also from a tax consequence standpoint of when I file my tax return. Visit CLAConnect.com for more insights from Clifton Larson Allen. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. More offices and companies are trying to encourage workers to return by improving the smell. Wall Street Journal reporter Ray Smith joins me. Ray, why do offices and real estate companies feel they have to turn to improving the smell of the workplace? Managers and real estate executives are keenly aware that there are still a lot of workers who dislike the office experience and dislike having to go back to the office after working remotely. So their thinking is that anything that can lift people's moods, like a scent, is worth trying. There have been studies that show that scent can have a, you know, a positive effect on one's emotions and moods. So that's what office landlords are banking on. Smell is one of those that immediately affects the part of the brain, and it's called the limbic system part of the brain. And it's basically associated with mood and emotion, and it's highly sensitive to scent. And so that's another reason why retailers and hoteliers and now office buildings are specifically looking at scent as a way to boost the mood of workers or shoppers or guests. So all that free coffee and free pizza didn't do the trick? They still haven't done the trick. They're, they're trying out everything but the kitchen sink, and scent is just the latest in the arsenal of things they're hoping will make people feel better about returning to offices. How do they figure out what fragrances work and which ones don't? It was a bit of trial and error. There were a lot of smell tests whether it was on you know, fragrance strips, like the ones that you, you get in department stores, for instance, as well as just scenting some areas of their office buildings and getting feedback 
from employees on how they felt about it or whether they liked it or whether they even noticed it. So there were actually some studies being done about this? Not on Office, though, yet. But there's a famous study on Nike where this expert scented some rooms with Nike sneakers and then had a room full of sneakers in an unscented room. It was a mid-floral scent. And basically, they discovered that the people that were in the scented room with the Nikes were more likely to purchase than those in the unscented room. So there is some proof that scent can have an impact on how people feel or whether they want to purchase something or whether they want to linger in a store or linger in a hotel. So is this a two-pronged problem to solve in the workplace, finding a fragrance that people like and one that encourages them to work? Yes. And I got the impression when I was talking with Heinz, the landlord that is going to be pushing this in offices throughout the world, I got the sense that there were a lot of different objectives. They wanted a scent that would make people excited and energized and alert, but they also wanted a scent that was kind of calming and anti-anxiety. So already it just seems like that those are cross-purposes because you want something that's energetic, but yet you want something that is calming people down. So it was a lot of tweaking to sort of get those both points across. You didn't want to end up with a fragrance that was so calming that people would fall asleep at work or be too relaxed at work. But you didn't want something that was so pungent that, you know, it would be so noticeable that they would, it would be a distraction even <laughs> rather than something that would help them do their work better. So what's the verdict? Does this pass the, as you said, the smell test? They've gotten some great feedback. There are people out there, not necessarily who smelled the Heinz fragrance, but in other office buildings that have tried to scent with candles or air, air diffusers, for instance, on social media, I've found a few people who sort of complain that they just either their nose starts to clog up as soon as they enter the door or they just don't like the smell or they're allergic to certain smells. I had a chance to smell the Heinz fragrance myself. And I have to say that it's a nice smell, but you would really not notice it. Like it, I, it's not overpowering is what I'm saying. And I think that was the objective. They wanted something that was slightly detectable or almost like background, a background smell, like almost like background noise. And I had my colleagues do a smell test, not telling them, you know, what it was, but, you know, they also agreed that it was a nice smell, um, but not too overpowering. Nobody said, yeah, it would make me come to the office, but no one was offended. What did it smell like? It smelled sort of like a light... I wouldn't say floral. It just smelled like a, a, a to me, like a, just a, a really nice, pleasant, light perfume. What other ways have companies tried to get people in the office by appealing to their senses? Some other ways besides scent include greenery or just plants or even actual trees or a more focus on the outdoor space. That's a big thing, especially post-pandemic. Another thing is sort of natural light. And another thing is even like white noise or soothing noise. These are all parts of what's known as a biophilic trend in office buildings. And that trend is accelerated, especially post-pandemic. It's all focused on this idea of these elements create a sense of well-being. And as so much of office life post-pandemic, we've been talking about burnout and people stressed out. They're really focusing on these design elements to sort of help with well-being. That's WSJ reporter Ray Smith. And that's it for your Money Briefing. We'll be back tomorrow with WSJ's Jesse Newman to discuss why food prices are at a multi-decade high even as overall inflation is falling. 
This episode was produced by Ariana Osperu, with supervising producer Melanie Roy and deputy editor Chris Zinsley. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by CLA.